attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive 3 until 6 p.m. weekdays on the Sports Hub. I love it. It's brilliant. All right. The time has arrived. My picks in the NCAA tournament. March Madness, the Final Four in Minneapolis a few weeks from now. This is going to sound like sports guy giving a hot take, but I actually believe this. I'm not one of those that bloviates this time of year on the hot thing, which is college basketball and brackets because it's March and it's the thing you have to talk about. We've been talking about college basketball, I'd wager, more than any other sports talk show in the last four months. Since October, there hasn't been a show. I'm convinced we haven't covered college basketball. During NFL playoffs, during college football season, since October, every single show we've done, there's been some college basketball in there. I watch college basketball almost every single night. I've seen, I did the math, I've seen 51 of the 68 teams play at least one game. 51 of the 68. Now, you might be thinking, gosh, that means I might have to listen to what Josh has to say here. He probably has some great advice for my bracket. No. Even though I feel pretty good about my Final Four, the more you know about college basketball, the less chance you have of having success in your March Madness bracket. I'm convinced of this. Because... I'm biased to what I see. And sometimes I only see St. Mary's or Prairie View or Murray State once or twice a year. And that's just not enough sample size to get a good feel for what a team's been all throughout the year. You know, larger sample size versus smaller sample sizes. But based off those one or two games I've seen and also looking at the resume... I'm going to leap to conclusions about these teams and think, oh, that's one that's ripe for an upset versus, ah, I don't think this team is that great after all. So take everything I say with a grain of salt, but this is my final four for the NCAA tournament coming up. I've got Virginia, Duke, Gonzaga, and Kentucky in the final four. I have Virginia beating Kentucky to get to the championship game, I have Gonzaga pulling off the upset and beating Duke a second time this season to meet Virginia in that championship game. And when it's all said and done, the confetti that's going to be falling in that massive football stadium that's still relatively new in Minnesota a few weeks from now, it's going to be orange and it's going to be navy Virginia will go from losing to a 16 seed last year to winning the national championship. And I'll tell you why. They are the most complete team in college basketball. They're ranked in the top five in offensive and defensive efficiency by Kim Palm. There's no other team that's ranked in the top 10 in both categories. They check all the boxes on my criteria. They're balanced. They have coaching. They have experience. 
Kyle Guy is a junior. Ty Jerome's in his second season. DeAndre Hunter didn't play last year. He's back. He's healthy this time around. Deep team, experienced team, well-balanced team, great coach. I think Virginia pushes through. I'm not worried about last year. They didn't have DeAndre Hunter in that game. So I think Virginia is going to get it done. Their path to the Final Four is slightly easier than Duke's path. Duke's going to have to face either UCF or VCU in the second round. VCU's a buzzsaw. UCF has a seven foot six pterodactyl named Taco Fall. And Johnny Dawkins knows a thing or two about Mike Krzyzewski, and he's been a pretty good coach. He brought Stanford to the NCAA tournament a couple years ago, and now he's at the NCAA tournament with UCF. So that second game's not going to be easy for Duke. Likely you run into Virginia Tech in the Sweet 16. Virginia Tech has Justin Robinson back, their point guard, and a player who likely would have been all ACC if he was healthy in the conference season. It's not going to be that easy for Duke to get there. As for Virginia, I think they're going to have no problem facing either Oklahoma or Ole Miss in the second round. Those are low-end Power 5 teams. Not a great field. It's a weak Power 6 season. It's a strong mid-major season. None of the number ones are likely going to run into a strong mid-major outside of North Carolina, maybe having a little bit of trouble with Utah State in the second round if they meet them. But Virginia, I think I give them the edge over Tennessee and their bracket in the South because I like Tony Bennett over Rick Barnes. I give the advantage in coaching to Virginia. I like the way they defend. I think they're a little bit more balanced as well. They've been to this stage a little bit more than Tennessee has. Rick Barnes is still building it up at Tennessee while everything has already been built at Virginia. Four ACC championships in the last six years for the Cavaliers. So I like Virginia beating Tennessee, facing the Kentucky Wildcats. Give me experience on that stage. As Virginia is far more experienced than Kentucky is, I think they'll have a great advantage in the Final Four because, as we've discussed many times, usually the championship game, there isn't great shooting. On final four stages in massive stadiums, Virginia, Kentucky, Duke, and Gonzaga. Out of those four, who do you think has the best capability to win an ugly game? Virginia is that. And if you have to rely on a team to win ugly on that stage, I'm going to take the Cavaliers first. I think that's what they do. They're going to beat Gonzaga. They're going to beat Kentucky and win the national championship. Yes, You want to hear mine? What do you got? So, mine's similar to yours. I'm kind of going kind of chalk, but I have a different quote-unquote, ugly uh, team getting... Three one-seeds and one two-seed for me. That's what I have, too. I have Duke, Michigan, Virginia, and North Carolina. Um, and I have... Actually, I've changed my... I had Duke Carolina in here in the final yesterday. I have now changed that to Michigan, North Carolina, because I because Michigan has the second-ranked defense in the country. They can get extremely ugly when it comes to mucking a, a, a game down. I think that's one of the few things that could slow Duke down is a, a team that can slow it down like Virginia. Um, I do believe Carolina will get past Virginia in the final four. 
And then I do have Carolina winning it all, but I have them winning it all because, A, they're 15. and I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> because you have them beating two teams they've already lost to. That's right. But they're 15-2 and two since January 15th. That's the most wins of any Division One team in that time period. Uh-huh. They are uh, in the top 10 offensive and defensive efficiency. So is Duke. So is Virginia. Uh, they have beat two of the other one seeds. They've beaten Duke twice. They've beaten uh, Gonzaga. They they have the perfect mix. David Glenn, our buddy from the afternoons, he mentioned this when he was on with us last week. They have the perfect blend of uh, senior leadership, top ten freshman talent. Kobe White's going to probably go top ten in the NBA draft, which is amazing. He's projected where he was. there right now. Don't don't look now. You know how Michael Jordan likes drafting North Carolina Tar Heels. If Kimba Walker goes elsewhere this offseason, 11th overall, yeah. if Kobe White's there, that, that might be the spot. That might be the destiny of Kobe White. I wouldn't be mad at that. And then and the, thing, the reason why I can't pick Duke, the one stat that stands out to me is that they're shooting 30% from three, and no team has ever won the national championship shooting that poorly from the three I know you're age. justifying all these things, but I can't help but identify the elephant that you're picking North Carolina to win over two teams they have lost to in the regular season, one by a considerable margin, yeah. and the other on their home floor. So does that mean they can't beat them this year? No, but it is that you are the North Carolina fan, and you are picking the Tar Heels to do something they have already failed to do twice. Back in November at right. Michigan. Like, if that happens again on a neutral football field, then you'll have a point. But then Can you at least acknowledge court? that you are a North Carolina fan and that some bias might factor into No, this. not at all. If North, I didn't pick North Carolina to win the national championship last year because, I, I, like I've said, this team is better than last year's team. How last, far did you have last year's team going? Uh, Sweet 16. Because they didn't have anybody in the post and they were still dumping the ball into the post with the hopes they could change that around. When you have Sterling Manley and Garrison Brooks as freshmen – trying to carry a load that Kennedy Meeks and Tony Bradley and uh, Isaiah Hicks did previously, it's not going to work. So there's no wishful thinking in this? No, not at all. Carolina's one of the top teams in the country. They have been for the past month and a half. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think they can get to the Final Four. I have them going to the Elite Eight. I, I just think Kentucky, Kentucky, Kentucky I, might trip them up. Yeah, I think that's a bad draw for them. I really do. Since it is March Madness, it's not too late for you to sign up for the censored madness bracket that we're doing here. The madness is here. It's our favorite time of the year. We all sneak out of work early to watch the game, and we're going to be glued to every nail-biting moment, hoping our team wins it all as we root for underdogs in the first couple of rounds. I don't really root for them beyond that because I want the big dogs at the end, much like William Hung in in, uh, American Idol. It's fun early on in the American Idol season to have the bad singer there. But if they're getting to the Sweet 16 and they're getting into the Final Talk Eight, to me, all right, you, you, I don't need any more William Hung. Like get that out of here. You get the point. He's you, not a great singer. You don't need any more William Hung. No, I don't need that, and I don't need Gardner-Webb in my Sweet 16. <laughs> I don't need North Carolina Central advancing that far. I don't really want that. We say we want it in theory, but television ratings reflect differently. So... If you want to win a great prize, go to sportshubtriad.com and sign up for our Censored Madness Bracket. The winning prize, the winning bracket, I should say, will hang out with me and DG, David Glenn, and we will take you to a Winston-Salem Dash baseball game, hang out in the Flow Club, free food, free drinks, free parking, and it's powered by Twin Peaks, so you will also get a $100 gift card to Twin Peaks. All you got to do, sportshubtriad.com. You might have already completed your bracket by now. Just put that same bracket into the censored madness bracket 
SportsHubTriad.com if you want to hang out with me and DG at a Winston-Salem Dash baseball game in the Flow Club with free food, free parking, and a lot more. A $100 gift card at Twin Peaks hanging in the balance too. SportsHubTriad.com is where you need to go. Also, another housekeeping note. We will be doing tomorrow's drive once again at the New Garden Road location, Kickback Jacks. Kickback Jacks has been a great friend of ours, and we're going to be out there tomorrow afternoon in Greensboro, 3 to 6 p.m., New Garden Road location. Be sure to drop by and say hello. Mark Brazel, who runs the Wyndham Championship, will drop by for a visit. Brant Wilkerson knew will be hanging out with us as well from the Greensboro News and Record, covering all of the ACC teams here in the state of North Carolina. So we expect that to be a great show tomorrow, and we hope you can join us at the Kickback Jacks New Garden Road location in Greensboro. On the way, what Mike Trout's contract could mean for the NBA? That's next on The Drive. Okay, here we go. This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Mike Trout gets the big contract from the Los Angeles Angels today. It is worth... 12 years, or last 12 years, worth $430 million. That's right. It's close to half a billion dollars he's going to make over 12 years. And I really have no issue with it. There's always going to be the faction of people who say athletes make too much. That's just ludicrous. Why did they get contracts that big? But in that sport where you're being asked to play 162 games a year, and you are the biggest star in the sport, arguably, certainly one of the most talented, two AL MVP awards, one more MVP award, I believe, than Bryce Harper has won in the National League, who got the big $330 million deal from the Philadelphia Phillies a couple weeks ago. You deserve that kind of cash. I'm never going to say that an athlete doesn't deserve the contract he's rewarded. You only have so many years You can be a star athlete in whatever sport you pick. It's just crazy that he signed through 2030. I don't know what 2030 is going to be like. Are we going to be playing baseball on Mars at that point? Mars baseball? I don't know. It's something I really don't want to think about until we get a little bit closer, maybe 10 years out from 2030. But that is what Los Angeles did today. They penciled. Actually, they pinned in, sharpied in Mike Trout till 2020. And I really don't have much issue with it. He deserves it much more than Harper does. I had an issue with Harper getting $330 million because I don't know if it's going to work out. He didn't have a good year last year. There were injuries involved in it, but he really didn't have a good year for the Nationals. And the Nationals, they've had some great seasons, but when they made it to the postseason... Flamed out every single time. And the numbers aren't good in October. So you sign that guy who is a star in the sport, and there's not many of them in Major League Baseball. So that is worth something. I just don't know if it's $330 million. On the other end of the spectrum, Mike Trout's ability is not in hype. 
Mike Trout is not somebody who's attracted the type of limelight because of what his potential is. He's become a star based off only the merits of what he's done in the sport. He's become maybe the most respected player in Major League Baseball. He goes about his business, and he does so quietly. It's completely different than what Bryce Harper's done to gain his level of spotlight. Bryce Harper could be a bit of a diva at times, sometimes isn't running all the way through to first base. Mike Trout plays hard every single day. He's somebody who has a heart for children. It shows he he is also a playful guy who just might not be that interesting and interested in doing a lot of media interviews and putting himself out there, but he does weather forecasts sometimes on his local Philadelphia television station. He's always had a fascination with meteorology. So I I think he's a likable guy, but I think it's a different type of hype we're talking about here. The Phillies, in part, are signing Bryce Harper based on the hype that surrounds him. You're on a Sports Illustrated cover 10 years ago being called the next big thing. You win an MVP award, but that's a handful of years ago. You still have a lot of great years left. You you feel like you, th- you could throw cash at him and hope that it results in you becoming a champion. Mike Trout, on the other hand, was less talked about when he entered Major League Baseball. Once upon a time, Mike Trout was committed to play baseball here in the state of North Carolina. We hear these types of stories from time to time. You have the option in baseball, coming out of high school, either going to Major League Baseball and getting drafted, foregoing a collegiate career, or playing college ball and having to stick with the college program for three seasons. Mike Trout almost chose the college route. He was committed not to NC State like Josh Hamilton was from Athens Drive High School in Raleigh, not to North Carolina, the program that's gone to six College World Series, going to Omaha six times with Coach Mike Fox, not to Duke, which has built things up the last couple years in college baseball. He was committed to East Carolina, Billy Godwin. And I remember talking to Billy Godwin about Mike Trout. He said he was locked in to become a Pirate. And then he saw that a bunch of scouts were at one of his playoff games, and he hit an inside-the-park home run. And the way he described it was he was rounding third base by the time the outfielder could even reach the baseball. And at that moment, he got upset and he left the diamond because he knew that one of those scouts were going to tell a GM or someone to take a chance on this kid, and he wasn't going to go to East Carolina and play college ball. It was a good decision for Mike Trout because the third year he would have spent at ECU before becoming eligible for the draft again was the first time he made a Major League Baseball All-Star game. So Mike Trout, it's a far different path for him getting this massive contract than the one that Bryce Harper has received. Let's go to Todd in Jamestown, who wants in on Mike Trout. Todd, you're on the Sports Hub. What's your thought on the subject? I'm just thrilled that you've made the comments you made about Bryce Harper. It's been a long time since I've seen a player get more hype for doing, not doing all that much. I mean, he's, he's a good player, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, he's had 100 RBIs. I think I saw a stat where he's only had 100 RBIs once in seven seasons. 2015. He's making that one one time. 
you know, um, he's hurt pretty regularly, misses a lot of games, and he's had some pedestrian seasons in the league. If he didn't have all that hype and build up from the beginning, uh, I, I would say he may have been in two all-star games. He's been all-star games, I think, mostly because of his name and reputation, not his merits. So. Thank you so much for the uh, phone call, Todd. I appreciate it. And I, Bryce Harper, he is an all-star, and he should be that every single year. He's that kind of good. He deserves a lot of money. He deserves to be paid a ton. I don't know if it's $330 million, though. I'm not sure if it's the same kind of cash Mike Trout should demand, the same kind of cash that Alex Rodriguez demanded, not once, but twice with the contracts he signed. Once with the Texas Rangers and then with the New York Yankees. He was paid that because he was the best player in the sport. And Mike Trout right now is the best player in the sport. Better than John Carlos Stanton. Better than Bryce Harper. So this makes sense to me. As for the $430 million part, teams have it. They do. They can pay it. It's all about the years. And that's what the negotiation is. The big part of the negotiation is the player asking for 10, 11, 12, 13 years. It's not the team that wants him on those long contracts. Because the back years, it's really tough to forecast what it's going to be five, six, seven years down the line. If teams had it their way, they would sign players to $400 million contracts like this, but for five years. That's what they would want. They can afford that. That's how much money we're talking about here. But it's the player. That's the negotiation. The Scott Borises of the world who are negotiating saying, no, no, no. We want 13. We want it to be long-term that this is paid so we can ensure that we're good six, seven years from now. Yes, Des. I, I like the deal from the Angels, actually. I mean, you're locking up the best current player in baseball for basically the his career. I mean, when this is done, he'll be 38 years old. So I, I don't think uh, he'll be going anywhere anytime soon, especially if he puts that no-trade clause in there. The funny thing about this whole thing, in like 10 years, this is going to look like a small contract. You know, someone will be making $55 million a year or $60 million a year, and we'll look back and go, remember when we were all screaming at uh, the Angels giving Mike Trout $430 million and we thought it was crazy, and then someone's going to break the half-billion-dollar mark here in the next 10 years. That's insane. When will NBA and NFL players draw lines and get upset with this, saying, hey, we, we don't need a salary cap in sports? We NBA. don't need it. Because somebody brought up a very good point to tw- on Twitter to me earlier today. Major League Baseball generated over $10 billion in revenue last year alone. His annual salary, if you look at it, is less than 1% of that. The, the, not the annual salary, his overall, what he's going to be making over the span of 13 years, is less than 1%. It's actually half of 1% of last year's overall league revenue. The question he asked me, just imagine what Zion Williamson should be making oh based on the revenue that... He deserves. When do NBA players and NFL players draw the line and say, wait a minute, how much are these guys in Major League Baseball making? Why can't I be making that? Because I'd argue LeBron James, every single year in his prime, he deserves $100 million. Oh, yeah. He's worth $100 million. If you look at the value of the Cleveland Cavaliers when he's on the team, you look at multi-billion dollars each year, one of the most valuable franchises in in the NBA, and it was only because LeBron James was on that roster. You are listening to WSGS Winston-Salem, WPCM Burlington, WCOG Greensboro, WSML Graham. Come on!
This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. We've got some of your weird animal encounters to get to in a second. Also, my national title pick. I'll give you my final four and my national title pick in a second. But as much as I love March Madness, you guys realize it's a TV show, right? It's maybe my favorite TV show to watch every year. We rarely refer to sports as television program programming, but I believe the NCAA tournament to be the closest thing to one of those competition talent TV shows. You can't convince me that the best way to crown a champion is to have the champion win six games in a row in three different venues. Not in the sport of basketball. However, we've all bought into the format. We've bought into this format that national titles in this tournament, they're the heaviest metric in measuring success. In the end, we say, how many banners do you got based off this tournament where you have to win six games in a row? It's a very small sample size versus the larger one. A lot of people say that Tony Bennett's not a great Hall of Fame quality coach because he hasn't won the national title, even though in the best iteration of the ACC talent-wise, he's won four of the last six ACC titles. It almost reminds me of American Idol. You remember William Hung, American Idol, one of the worst singers there was? If you're unfamiliar with William Hung's work, here's a little bit of it. Talk to me, tell me your name. You blow me off like it's all the same. You lit it fierce and I'm taking away like a bomb. Yeah, baby. This guy's fire. Talk to me. Tell me your sign. Uh. You're switching sides like a Gemini. You're playing games and now you're hitting my heart like a drum. Are you sure this isn't yeah, Ricky Martin? Baby. She bangs, she bangs. <laughs> oh, baby, when she moves, she moves. No, no, no. I go crazy because no. she looks like a flop, no. but she stings like a bee. Like every girl You in can't history. tell me I'm that that isn't that. Ricky Martin, and you can't tell me that voice in there that said no and disapproved of it wasn't Simon Cowell. I remember watching that when that first came Here's on. the point I want to make. He was eliminated, but we all enjoyed it. The first couple rounds, the first couple episodes of American Idol were the best episodes because it was the train wrecks. It's, the, it's these guys that we just enjoy watching because they're bad. But when if William Hung advanced to the final eight and to the final four singers, we'd all have issue with it. Eh. I don't think he really belongs with Chris Daughtry and Carrie Underwood and Kelly Clarkson and Kelly Pickler and I know way too many American Idol contestants. That's what it is. See, the NCAA tournament, we need the big dogs at the end. We do. We need the Kentuckys, North Carolinas. We want the Kentuckys, the Dukes, the North Carolinas to advance to the Final Four. Not Murray State. Not UC Irvine. Not Gardner-Webb. That's not what we want to see, really. One of the worst national title games I've ever watched in terms of entertainment value was Butler going head-to-head with UConn. And VCU was in that Final Four, too. It was not great to watch because we, we had no connection to these teams. We don't know that coach. We don't know these players. We don't. We want familiarity with what we're watching. When we go to the movies, we want to know who the actors and the actresses are. So when we get Final Four... 
Elite Eight teams, we want to make sure we got Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski and Zion Williamson and Marcus Howard and Cassius Winston and, and Admiral Schofield and, and star players and Kobe White and Cam Johnson and Luke May. Familiar names later on in the tournament. I'd take the number one seeds versus the field any year. Last year, I would have been right. This year, I think I'm going to be right. If I had the option, number one seeds or the field, I'm taking the ones. 13 of the last national, uh, 13 of the last 19 national champions have been a one seed. 58% since 1985 have been one seeds. 58% of the champions. So three of the four teams I have going to Minneapolis are number one seeds. I got Duke coming out of the East. Gonzaga coming out of the West, Virginia coming out of the South, and the Kentucky Wildcats beating North Carolina in the Elite Eight to get to Minneapolis from the Midwest. And I like Virginia to win it all because I think they're the most balanced, complete team in the country. Only team to be ranked in the top five of offensive and defensive efficiency by Kim Palm. They check all the boxes. They're balanced. They're, they got the great coach. They have experience. I'm not worried about what they did last year without DeAndre Hunter. I think with experienced guys like Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome, this being his second go-round, DeAndre Hunter his second year as well, this is going to be the year for Virginia. And when you get to the Final Four and it's one of these massive football stadium venues you're being asked to play in, I want to have a team who can win ugly, win the way North Carolina did two years ago, beating Oregon in the Final Four, not shooting over 40%. And had a pretty low shooting margin, too, in the win over Gonzaga. That North Carolina team could win ugly. This Virginia team over Duke, Gonzaga, and Kentucky can win ugly basketball. So I like Virginia to beat Kentucky. I like Virginia to beat Gonzaga in the national championship. I like the Virginia Cavaliers to hold the trophy at the end of this tournament. You could send me your picks at Sports Hub Triad. Go to sportshubtriad.com and submit your March Madness bracket because the grand prize is $100 to Twin Peaks, a $100 gift card. And also you get to hang out with me and our next guest, our early afternoon host, David Glenn, at the Flow Club at a Winston-Salem Dash game. We will treat you to great baseball, free food, free drinks, behind home plate, It's me and DG. We'll be talking sports all day. And then you could go to Twin Peaks in Winston-Salem. $100 value with the Twin Peaks man card. DG, you can listen to noon to three. We were hanging out at the ACC tournament all last week. Tomorrow, we will be broadcasting our show from Kickback Jacks at the New Garden Road location. So a quick reminder that if you're in Greensboro and you want to say hi to us, we'd love to hang out with you. Come to New Garden Road in Greensboro. Kick back Jacks. That's where we're going to be broadcasting from 3 to 6 tomorrow. Mark Brazel from the Wyndham Championship is going to drop by. Brant Wilkerson New, one of our favorites from the Greensboro News and Record covering the ACC, will be on location too. We'll visit with C.L. Brown on tomorrow's show too. Before we get the DG, let's go to Chad and Boom very quickly. Chad and Boone, what do you think of the NCAA tournament coming up? And do you have an instance where you encountered a wild animal out on the road? Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for taking my call. Chad, go right ahead. 
Uh, awesome. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Great, great. Okay, so uh, one, what you guys are saying about uh, uh, Zion joining Gardner-Webb and taking out Virginia, um, let's put this into perspective, man. Duke beat Virginia twice this year, but they were very, very competitive games, and that was with the healthy Zion and Trey Jones and Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett. You can't tell me that that you put Zion on Gardner-Webb and they're going to beat Virginia. It's going to be a blowout, man, because Gardner-Webb's supporting cast isn't R.J. Barrett or Cam Reddish, and they barely won those games. Okay. And and two, I've got uh, I've got uh, a weird upset. I've got Mike Hopkins, an old Syracuse assistant, taking out UNC in the second round from the Pac-12 regular season champs, which is the worst conference in basketball, but I like Mike Hopkins. And three, I was coming out of uh, Wilkesboro on 421 about a year and a half ago with the windows down, just hanging out, and a darn wild turkey flew right into the back of my truck, and it was chaos. It was chaos. <laughs> but uh, thanks for taking my call, That's fellas. an efficient. You guys have a good day. I love your show. That's an efficient call from Chad and Boone. Wild turkeys scare the crap out of me. They are scary. Stan in Winston-Salem has a weird thing he encountered, too. Stan, you're on the Sports Hub. Give me the weird thing you ran into on the road. Well, I'll tell you, my friends and I, we played golf a lot back in days gone by. We were out at uh, Stonewood, Stonewall, Stonewood, out in Germantown. We're on the way back, out in the middle of the country, and my friend it was deathly afraid of snakes. Now, I was snake man growing up, but my room was a zoo. There's a snake, a black rat snake, across the road. I stopped. There's no traffic. I stopped, got out the truck grabbed a snake, took him off the side of the road, and shoot him out into the woods. And for the next half hour, going back to home in King, he didn't say a word and never said a word about that incident again. <laughs> That's excellent storytelling by Stan. Really appreciate that. John's right again. There was a horse chilling in the middle of the road in front of me a few months ago after that big snow in December. I stopped, and he wandered up to my car. Oh. And Ross, he just sent one in saying that he was uh, somewhere in Greensboro and there were just two goats. No, make it two sheep that are walking down a sidewalk side by side, (laughs) just casually. (laughs) There were geese on the side of the road in Greensboro when I was riding out there not too long ago on back road. So there's a lot of weird things you can encounter, as we've learned over the last little while. If Danny Manning is... Returning to Wake Forest. What will it look like next year for the Deeks? We'll discuss that with David Glenn next. This is the Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Serious talk. Talk, talk, talk. (laughs) And I like it. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Okay, there's a lot going on. The ACC tournament was this past weekend. The NCAA tournament's getting set to start. David Glenn will join us in just a second. There was a cow that wandered onto the streets of New York City, or actually it was in the Bronx, and it stopped traffic, which has led to a flood of you sending in stories with weird encounters with animals. Tom writes in, This terrifying tale was driving in the California desert and came upon a snake in the middle of the road. Not enough time to swerve, so I ran it over. However, when I looked in the rearview mirror, I could not see the snake. That was a panicked ride for the next three hours. Wait a minute. 
Where's the rest of that story? <laughs> what happened to the snake? We'll never know, Dad. I'm not. I'm not a snake guy. That now I got to look under my car Scary. out here. David Glenn, now with us. We'll get to some of the headlines and some of the non-headlines that I think, in their own right, are headlines. But you've lived in the South for quite a big, uh, quite a bit of time now. I'm sure it's a regular occurrence to see animals on the side of the road when you're driving around in the state. It is, Josh, and I, I've got still not gotten used to like going on a jogging trail. And as my eyesight is maybe not quite as sharp as it once was, and as I have actually accidentally stepped on rolled-up snakes while on a jogging trail, with uh, the lesser eyesight, man, it could be a branch that I see coming off. It could be, you know, just a discoloration of the pavement. I'm a little bit more wary now as on about what I'm stepping near, uh, given a few scares a while back. Are you surprised one way or the other that there hasn't been any news out of Wake Forest yet in regards to Danny Manning's status? No, mainly because I remember five years ago, and of course many of the decision makers are still in place there, five years ago they knew on ACC tournament weekend, or at least soon thereafter, that Jeff Buzdelic was going to get fired after those four miserable seasons where he was in charge of the Demon Deacons. And yet they didn't release it on Selection Sunday. They didn't, they didn't release it on Monday. Uh, they chose to release it on Thursday as, you know, the whole nation was getting ready for 12 straight hours of basketball in the 64-team version of the bracket. So uh, I'm still not 100% certain what the news is going to be, but uh, it's not at all a surprise to me, uh, even if it's bad news for Danny Manning. Uh, it, because of what I saw five years ago, I wouldn't be surprised that the timing is the same. But let's be fair to both sides of this. Me and you both believe that, Wake is going to move on from Danny Manning. But we had C.L. Brown on either last week or the week before. He said that with the new AD, I could see it happening where Danny Manning is retained for one year and he tries to monitor the situation and see what the best move is moving forward. If Danny Manning does return, what exactly does that look like if he's retained next year? Well, unfortunately, you can't assume that the roster will be similar, right? I mean, part of the problem with Danny Manning And I'm on the record saying that if I were in charge, he would be gone. But I'm not in charge, and that's why I'm still waiting uh, for certainty just like everybody else. There certainly is a chance that he gets another year as Wake Forest goes through its athletic director transition in particular. Remember, a year ago around this time, we were thinking that Bryant Crawford would be back to be a fantastic foundation and pillar of strength at point guard as a veteran, and Doral Moore would be back as another pillar of strength in the post as a veteran big man, proven in the ACC by that point. And Keyshawn Woods might have been, you know, another veteran sharpshooter on the perimeter. And yet all of those guys left, just as uh, in previous years, there was an unusually high rate of roster turnover. So it's one thing to say, you know, Brandon Childress is pretty good and Jalen Horde is pretty good. Well, we don't know if Horde's leaving for the NBA, uh, we don't know what guys with remaining eligibility are going to back. Well, be back. What we do know is that Danny Manning has, has had an unusual number of players who, for one reason or another, have sort of speedily run toward the exit door, either for early uh, professional basketball entry, even though the NBA has no interest in them, like Bryant Crawford and Darrell Moore, or just because they wanted to continue their 
uh, career somewhere else. And uh, it's hard to build an ACC contender that way. And it's one of the reasons that Danny Manning is still stuck five years in with four losing records to go with that one NCAA tournament bid. David Glenn from the David Glenn Show with us. You can listen noon to three to the DG Show. And also, don't forget about our censored madness bracket that you could still sign up for at sportsubtriad.com. It's powered by Twin Peaks. And the winning bracket will get a day out with me and DG. We'll take you out to a Winston-Salem Dash baseball game, hang out in the Flow Club, free food, free parking, a behind-home plate seat. And on top of that, since Twin Peaks is sponsoring it, a $100 gift card to Twin Peaks on top of that. So be sure to sign up, sportshubtriad.com. I already see a lot of you are sending me in uh, your picks, sending in your picks for what you have in your bracket. DG, my final four, I've got three number ones. I've got Duke. I've got Virginia. I've got Gonzaga. I have Kentucky. I have Virginia beating Gonzaga in the national championship game, going from losing to a number 16 seed last year, and this year with DeAndre Hunter knocking off Gonzaga. What do you make of that? What do you have in your bracket? I'm going to release my final four picks tomorrow ah, on the show. But don't I'll want to spoil it. Share some thoughts. Um, I don't think you're crazy to believe that this Virginia team is dramatically different from last year's Virginia team. I am more skeptical of Gonzaga than you are mainly because they only played seven games, the Zags, against fellow NCAA tournament participants. And whereas they did beat a Duke team that was healthy, I mean, that's the only loss that Duke has this season at full strength, so certainly give the Zags credit for that one. Uh, they're, they're only four and three in games this year against other NCAA tournament participants, and that is, is about as shaky a record as you'll see among any of the high seeds. But I'm on your Virginia bandwagon, and I don't think they're going to look anything like they did a year ago. They're just so much more diverse offensively. People forget that whereas they were elite defensively last year and this year, and they are elite offensively this year, they weren't even a top 30 offense last year. They they just weren't that good with the ball in their hands. This time, it's going to be all ACC Ty Jerome and all ACC Kyle Guy and all ACC DeAndre Hunter and even guys beyond that who can put the ball in the basket. That means Virginia, at the very least to me, is going to be a Sweet 16 team. And I'm not going to be surprised at all if they're in the Final Four or or even if they are the ones cutting down the nets on that Monday night in April. The big news in Major League Baseball today, Mike Trout signed a 12-year $430 million contract, first reported by Jeff Passan from ESPN. And when I looked at the Bryce Harper deal, I understood it was just operation of business. That's how business is conducted if you're a star player. Even if the numbers might not bear out, you deserving that kind of a record contract the way that Alex Rodriguez or even Giancarlo Stanton did when they got their massive deals. With Trout, this, this is the best player in the sport. The players say that. The numbers bear that out, and it seems like to me his hype, him getting this contract, is built more on the merits of what he's done as somebody who once upon a time was a commit to East Carolina and almost went to school for three years, but then at the last second the Angels swooped in and got him um, early in the draft. It's it's a lot different than Bryce Harper's story when he was on the front page of sports illustrated 
named the next guy, and he was already coming in with all this hype that made him a star in the sport. When you see 12 years, $430 million, do you take any issue with it knowing that it's Mike Trout of the Angels? No, if you're going to do it for anybody, that's the guy to do it for. All the right things on the field, all the right things off the field. He has historically great numbers by his age, uh, which is still, of course, not only in his prime, but on the early edge of his prime. It's hard to foresee loving the contract in the last three or four years of it if you're the team. Uh, Same with the Phillies and Bryce Harper. I mean, those guys are going to be in their late 30s and still making tens of millions of dollars by that point. But if you're the player, you certainly can't say no to that. I mean, that's lifelong financial stability for you and your children and your grandchildren. Uh, Maybe the only downside is being stuck in a place if they can't form the right team around you. Um, I I know why the NBA, by the way, uh, and the NFL have – taken out these kinds of longer-term deals. There, there are caps on how many years into the future that you can go in some cases. I think it ends up protecting both the player uh, from some things and the team uh, from other things. But as long as baseball you know, collectively bargains these terms, I don't have any problem with it. It's a bigger risk for the teams than it is for the players. There's no doubt about that. But uh, Mike Trout in particular is about as special a player as I've seen come along in my 40-plus years watching baseball. Follow David Glenn at David Glenn Show on Twitter. Listen to the David Glenn Show right here on the Sports Hub, noon to 3 afternoons. You and I, we spent a lot of time together last week, probably more time we've spent together in any one-week interval now that I'm in the triad and a part of the Curtis Media family. What was your highlight of our weekend in Charlotte that did not include everything that we saw on the floor and on, that television cameras could capture um, during the ACC tournament? I'd say the people, really. You know, in life, we're all people before we're anything else, right? Before we're a sports radio host or before we're, um, you know, the guy collecting the tickets or the cameraman or the coach. Um, I have professional relationships with all the coaches, and I have personal relationships with some, so I like to see them in person. But even more important than that, uh, for a long time, Josh, I mean, before I became an older guy with a wife and kids, you know, the, the media was my second family. I mean, that was my social circle. And now that I'm an older guy and I don't see my colleagues as often as I did when I was covering games every night and traveling a lot more often, I really look forward to events like the ACC tournament where I basically get to see literally uh, probably a hundred people who have contributed to my website or my magazine or my radio show over the years. I get to thank them in person. I've been known to raise a glass or two, even caught on film doing that in Charlotte uh, on social media. And, um, you know, you roll it all up. It, it's, uh, it's a great chance for us to interact with some of our favorite people in the industry while, of course, getting paid to enjoy some of the best basketball that College Hoops has to offer. That's not a bad gig if you could get it. Des, I don't know if you saw this. It was Mark Armstrong, who's a TV reporter in Raleigh, who posted a photo. Late night, we were at a place called the Thirsty Beaver. It was a nice little dive bar. It was a dive bar. I know nice and dive bar don't generally go together, but it was one of those. lingerie all over the walls. Oh, fantastic. There was lingerie all over the walls. And Mark Armstrong took a photo of his colleague, 
And in the background of this photo is DG just pounding a brewski. Nice. And DG, I know, approves of it because he, he retweeted it onto his page at David Glenn Show. And you can find that photo. Check this out. It does look like I'm funneling a beer right there. I'm not. I mean, you know, I don't like, I don't like good beer to go to the waste. So I was, I was tipping it back so far to make sure that I, I got every last tasty drop of beer uh, at the uh, that fine establishment that you just mentioned. DG, thanks for doing this. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the madness. All right, Josh. Always good to be with you, bud. Take care. You got it. That's David Glenn.